Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. We have our Every Day is Earth Day segment supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where you are part owner, member NCUA, more at minvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by Lee Pomeroy. Our guest today is from the Minnesota Valley Action Council. Her name is Brianna Baker. And she is a weatherization auditor and quality control inspector at the Minnesota Valley Action Council. Good morning, Brianna. Good morning. I want to know exactly, first of all, what is the Minnesota Valley Action Council for those who may have never heard of that, also known as MVAC? Yeah, so Minnesota Valley Action Council is the community action agency that serves Blue Earth County and the surrounding nine counties, so nine counties in south central Minnesota. And community action agencies were actually formed in the 1960s under the Lyndon Johnson administration to help eliminate poverty. So we run a number of programs um, that really try to help people get on their feet and provide services to help people, you know, work their way out of poverty and achieve their full potential. Now, yours is an interesting title, Weatherization Auditor. Now, what exactly is that all about? Well, people are often familiar with the Energy Assistance Program, Mm -hmm. um, which is a program that helps folks pay their energy bills. There's another program that's related to the Energy Assistance Program that's called the Weatherization Assistance Program. And what weatherization does is sometimes when people qualify for the energy assistance program and they can get some help paying their energy bills, sometimes in addition to helping pay those bills, we can also go into the house and do some work to make the house more energy efficient and lower those bills permanently. So things like adding insulation to walls or attics, things like replacing furnaces and water heaters, sealing up holes and gaps, things like that. So that's what weatherization does. Brianna, are you also involved with environmental stuff too? I am. So I'm the vice chair of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council, um, which is a group that hosts monthly forums on clean energy topics. You know, we we talk about a lot of different technologies and different local programs and things like that. I'm also the the vice chair of the Living Earth Center, which is a, a nonprofit based in Mankato that is housed up at Good Council and, and hosts some of the largest community gardens in the state and also just took over the Blue Earth County community farm. Um, and there's a lot of volunteer opportunities at that farm. I'd love to talk with you more about your role at the community farm, but first let's talk about your role as a weatherization auditor. This is something really not only for your clients at with MVAC, it's something everybody could benefit from, it sounds like. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of things in our homes that, um, you know, aren't as energy efficient as they could be. And we kind of take them for granted and think it's just the way it is. But there are really, there are big things we can do and there are little things that we can do that just lower our, our energy usage. Um, and that can be helpful for lowering our bills. And it's also helpful for the environment. You know, if we all do just a little bit, to reduce that energy consumption, that really adds up for all of us. I've heard that, you know, now we're in this hot, hot season of uh, that we've had in June, that 
cooling your house actually can take more energy than heating our houses, even though we're in Minnesota, which is very cold. Is is that the case? It certainly can. You know, most of our homes around here are heated with a fossil fuel, whether that's natural gas or propane or oil. And, and for cooling, for our air conditioners, those are all run off of electricity. So it's a different fuel. So the cost is sometimes different and the usage can be different. And of course, you know, like we know right now, every year is different. It's usually not this hot right at the beginning of June, um, but it is this year. So it, it changes a little bit. But, yeah, you'll often notice a, a difference in your especially electric bill when it gets to be the summertime because those air conditioners, they do certainly take a lot of energy. Are there some things that we can do to reduce our cooling bills, for example, since it's summertime, things we could think about that might be helpful? Yeah, absolutely. So. One of the things that I like to remind myself and think about is, you know, the first thing we think of when we think about staying cool in the summertime, you know, the first thing we think of is changing the temperature of the air around us, Mm -hmm. right? You know, going to our thermostat and changing that temperature. Sure. But there are actually a lot of other factors that contribute to our comfort. And we can use some of those factors to stay comfortable without necessarily adjusting the thermostat and therefore increasing our energy bills. So one important factor is air movement. We know that in Minnesota, right? You know, it can be really, really warm, and we say to each other, (laughs) well, the breeze sure helps a lot. It doesn't feel too bad with the breeze, right? We've all said that. Mm -hmm. You know, and inside of our house, the way we achieve that is with a fan. And you can use a fan to feel more comfortable in your house, you know, for a fraction of the cost that that it would take to just lower the temperature. So one thing to remember about fans is is that they cool people. They don't cool spaces. So a fan doesn't change the temperature of the air. It just makes you feel cooler. So what that means is when you're running a fan, make sure to turn it off when you leave the room. Because even though it is more efficient than turning down the temperature, it's really not doing anybody any good if there's nobody there to feel the breeze. Is there an advantage um, of having an oscillating fan versus just a box fan? Has there been any studies or anything you know that shows any more efficiency in, with one over the other? It sort of depends on what you're going to use it for. You know, if you have a whole room full of people, an oscillating fan is probably going to be best because then it can it can move towards all those people and everybody can feel that breeze. If you are using it for something like, you know, in my house, the bedrooms upstairs are really, really warm right now. Sure. Um, so what I've been doing is taking a fan and putting it at the bottom of the stairs and pointing it up the stairway because that helps that air sort of move through the stairway and up and circulate that air. You know, so for that purpose, a box fan works a lot better. So it really kind of depends what your goal is. You know, if you want to just get a whole area, an oscillating fan is going to be great. When you're trying to sort of move air in a particular direction, a box fan is probably your best bet. Okay, good advice. You know, you mentioned the fans and keeping the air circulating. How about uh, the air conditioner then? You you know, a lot of people, some people don't have them, but a lot of people do. Are there things that we can make that be more efficient? Yes. So if we have central air, you know, that has a unit that sits outside and then it blows through your ductwork, one thing to be that's really helpful is to keep that outside unit clean. You know, if you look at it really closely, there's little metal fins all around the outside. And we want to make sure that those stay clean because when, you know, grass clippings or dirt or dust get on those, then the air conditioner has to work harder to move air through those fins. So even if you just take your garden hose, you know, and clean out some of that gunk, that can certainly help. Another thing, you know, just like we talked about with the fans, if you're not home, 
turn it up a few degrees. You don't need to pay to cool your house if nobody's going to be there to enjoy it. <laughs> um, so that's, those are a couple things with the air conditioner that can be really helpful. You know, a few other things just to keep in mind on these hot days and to, to sort of minimize how hard your air conditioner has to work. Close the blinds or the drapes on your windows. You know, when the sun's shining right through a window, that can really add a lot of heat to the house. Try not to use your oven on these hot days. That can really, really make a difference. Sometimes grilling is a great option just to, to keep some of that heat out of the house. And then one other thing is to install LED light bulbs. If you've ever changed a light bulb, one of those old style light bulbs after it's been on for a while. They're hot. You know how hot they get. Yeah. You know how much heat those put off. So LEDs not only use less energy to light the house, they also don't put off that heat, that waste heat. So that helps, you know, in the summertime, that waste heat that comes out of light bulbs is something that your air conditioner has to work harder to overcome. Well, I was going to ask about ceiling fans as well. Ceiling fans, I know there's some rule about when you're you operate them clockwise or counterclockwise in the summer versus winter. Do you know what the rule for that is in terms of making the air better circulate? In the summertime, they say that the blades should spin counterclockwise. Okay. So what are some things? I know that there are programs that encourage people to buy more energy efficient appliances or things that will reduce the energy in their home and you get some sort of rebates. What are some of those programs that are available now? Yeah, so different utilities offer different programs. I'll, I'll highlight some categories of them, but, you know, go to the website for you, your, your utility or give them a call because it is going to vary some by utility. But a couple categories that I, I want to highlight, one are called load management programs. So these are programs that allow the utility to cycle an appliance on and off when demand is really high. And that's important because electricity isn't easily stored in our current system. That means that electricity has to be generated basically at the moment that you need it. So if everyone on your block or if everyone in town all turns on their air conditioner at the same time, the utility has this really, really big spike in demand that they need to fill at that exact moment. And these load control programs basically allow the utilities to sort of smooth out that spike. The vast majority of people on those programs never even notice. So it's, it's not like you're going to be without air conditioner for hours and hours at a time. It's in 15-minute increments, and it just helps the utility sort of manage that a little bit better. And they offer rebates for it. Some, some utilities offer up to a 15% rebate on your summer electric bills. So it, it's a really worthwhile program, and it doesn't, doesn't really change your lifestyle at all. For Excel, that program is called Savers Switch. Mm -hmm. um, and for Benco, just go to their website and, and look under the load management programs, and they'll give you some information about those programs. Well, I know I signed up for that and really didn't notice any difference at all because, I mean, the cycling must occur either yep. so infrequently that you just don't notice really any change at all. So it, to, to save 15 even 10% is worth it. Yeah. Yep, exactly it. You know, it, it, I think some people have the idea that when it gets really, really hot, their air conditioner is just going to be shut off, and that's just not the case. It, it's, you really don't even notice it. The other category of rebates that I wanted to make sure that we talked about um, are those appliance rebates that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So if you are in the market for a new air conditioner or a new furnace or a new water heater or other major appliance, make sure to check with your utility and see if there are some rebates available. 
Again, these are going to vary by utility, but check the website or give them a call to see because those can be pretty significant. They can be, you know, a few hundred dollars sometimes. Often they'll pair these with those load management programs that we talked about. So sometimes they'll give you a rebate to put that new water heater on that load management program. And with water heaters, basically what they do is they just, you can get a, like a bigger, super insulated water heater, and then they make sure they heat up the water at night when they have extra electricity instead of the middle of the afternoon when there's less electricity available. So again, you don't notice the difference. You still have hot water. Um, it's just that they control when they add that heat to the water. But again, check with your utility. They're going to have the best information, and, and they've, got, they've got some really helpful things if you're making those type of decisions. Now, when I think of weatherization during the winter, I mean, there's things like insulation, et cetera, but those sorts of things can also help in the summer with cooling, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, those, they think, those things work both ways. You know, insulation in your attic or your walls, the purpose of that insulation is to keep warm air or cool air in. They work for both. For both. So, you know, we really notice the difference in the winter with those cold drafts and breezes, but it, it, it works on the flip side, too. Are there programs in the summer that help people with, let's say, electric use or gas use or whatever kind of cooling they're using that maybe help with paying for them or you go out and weatherize to help conserve at all? Are there are things like that through MVAC? Yes. So the Energy Assistance Program has had some pretty significant changes recently, really in response to COVID. So if you think you might qualify based on your income, check us out um, and apply for energy assistance because um, energy assistance is how you become eligible for weatherization services also. So if you're if you qualify for energy assistance, check the box that says I'm interested in weatherization and we'll talk with you and see if, it, if that program could be a good fit for you too. But do, you know, energy assistance is a great program for helping pay those bills. If you get behind on the bills, getting some help to pay those bills. And then it, it opens up opportunities for some of these other programs as well. Does it happen often that people get their electricity or water or things like that cut off? I know because you probably deal with clients that have that. Does that happen very frequently? I don't have, I don't have statistics, but it certainly does happen. You know, in Minnesota, we have the cold weather rule where people can't be shut off in the winter months if they are have a payment plan and have worked with the utility to to be working towards paying those bills so if you do find yourself especially in the winter time but really any time of year getting behind on your bills call your utility set up a payment plan there's a lot of flexibility if you're willing to work towards it and to to work it out with the utility so you know really be in contact Again, give, give Minnesota Valley Action Council a call if you might qualify income-wise, and we can, we can help you work some of that stuff out, too. What is the best way to find out the information if you're qualified or if you want to know more information, Brianna? Sure. So the, the Minnesota Valley Action Council website has that information, that eligibility information, as well as applications. Um, and that website is MNVAC. Dot org. You can also call our office, and the phone number is 507-345-6822. Those are probably the two best ways to get information. As the weatherization auditor, do you go out and do assessments then 
Brianna, to people's homes? Yeah, so kind of how the process works is we, we go out and do that assessment. We actually start with what we call a pre-audit, which is just like a quick walk through the house to see if it'll be a good fit, to see if the program could help. And if we say, yep, this house could use weatherization, then we do a full audit. And that's where we, me or one of my coworkers comes out to your house and we you know, measure up the house, we test your appliances, we look in the attic, we do some pressure tests, things like that, and figure out exactly what we're going to do for the weatherization project. Then we use either contractors or our crew to go out and do the work. And then after the work's done, then it's inspected. So it, to make sure that everything's safe and everything was done correctly. As you go down your list when you audit a house, go through the things that you actually look at so people maybe know where they might be losing energy or maybe where they can gain saving energy, that sort of thing. What, what does a, a list look like? Yeah, so, you know, every house is a little bit different. What I usually do is I start out in the basement and I work my way up to the attic. So I, if I go into the basement, um, you know, if it's all basement or if there's a crawl space or something like that, you know, often the furnace or the water heater in the basement. So I look at the furnace and the water heater. We do some tests to make sure that they're not producing carbon monoxide to make sure that those flue gases are going outside like they're supposed to. Sometimes I'll take a look at basement windows, if any are cracked or if they're warped so they're not sealing properly. You know, if there's any foundation cracks that appear to be leaking air. You know, if I can see any daylight through the walls or through the foundation. Those are things that, that can be addressed. Make sure that there's smoke and carbon monoxide detectors so that everything is safe. Check the light bulbs, if they could be replaced with LED light bulbs. And I usually check the walls for insulation. And when I get up to the attic, you know, I check to make sure that there's insulation in the attic, check to make sure that there's not any big air gaps. You know, often around the chimney, there will be a big gap where air, you know, warm heated air from the house is escaping up into the attic. Things like that are some making sure that, you know, the latches on windows latch all the way to make sure those are sealing properly. Seeing if any doors could use a weather strip to make sure that, that that's a, a tight seal around doors. What is one thing that would be maybe the least expensive thing with the biggest payback that you can do for better efficiency in terms of energy in your home? You know, the biggest use of energy in a home is almost always heating the air or cooling the air. So anything we can do to make it a little bit less energy intensive to heat or cool that air is going to be huge. Even if you can, in the summertime, have your thermostat one degree higher, or in the wintertime, having it one degree cooler, that really can add up. So if there are some of those ways that we can keep ourselves comfortable in ways that are different than just changing the thermostat, because changing the thermostat, you know, really does take quite a bit of energy, even for just that one degree. So, you know, if we can put on a sweater and a blanket and still be comfortable, that's really, really can add up. You know, in Texas, they had the power grid failed, and, and that's a concern. So it seems like, isn't there, are there some rules about when to do laundry or other electric or electricity or power intensive activities during the day or evening? 
Is, is there anything about that that might be helpful in terms of maybe preventing issues like they had in Texas, for example? Yeah, exactly. And this it's really the same concept like we talked about with those load management programs. Mm-hmm. Really, the, the thing that gets difficult is when we need lots of electricity all at one time. So if we can really smooth that out, just like you said, and avoid some of those really, really peak energy hours of the day, that can be really, really helpful. So one of the times that that can be hardest is sort of right when we get home from work. You know, that kind of four to seven o'clock hour, especially in the wintertime when when the sun has started to go down and we don't have as much of that solar energy gain. So um, one thing that can be, you know, if you have a dishwasher that has a delay setting, so if after supper you load the dishwasher and instead of running it right then at, you know, six, seven o'clock when everybody else is also, you know, if you set it so it runs in the middle of the night instead, that can be really, really helpful. Yeah, things like that, you know, right away in the morning when everybody else is getting up and turning on their lights and their, you know, microwave and throwing in a load of laundry. If we can avoid some of those times, you know, kind of right in the morning and right at the end of the workday, that can really be helpful. I even know that, like, I think our washer, even our dryer has a, a setting where you can yeah. delay delay it to a certain time or something. So maybe that's something others, I don't know if they all have them, but that's something certainly I guess you might want to look for if you're in the market mm-hmm. for a new appliance. Absolutely. Anything else you think is important for us to know, Brianna? There, there are some big things that we can do. You know, there are expensive improvements we can make to our house, but there are so many little things that can really add up that each and every one of us can do. And even if it seems small, you know, it really adds up, especially if we're all doing it together. And I think, you know, just putting a little bit of intention and a little bit of thought into these things can really help us both, um, both from an environmental perspective but also from a financial perspective. You know, even a dollar here and there can really add up and make a difference. Brianna, when you go out, what is one of the biggest wastes of energy that you see when you do your inspections or your or your audits? I think there are a couple things. This might not be the biggest, but it is something that I see a lot. If your water, if your hot water is too hot, I just like to remind people that then you're paying money to keep water hotter than you need it. So, you know, sometimes when you go to, like, go to your grandma's house and you wash your hands and it's so darn hot that you you almost burn your hands you know if, you, if your water heater is like that it's a, it might be worth just turning it down a little bit i've um, heard that you can you know, set to like 120 degrees is is one of the lower settings and you can set it at that and be just fine and then you don't worry about scalding yourself too exactly yep 120 degrees is kind of what i recommend you know that's hot enough that it's going to kill any of the bad stuff that we worry about but it, it's usually warm enough for everything that we need. And then you're not paying that extra money to keep water at a temperature higher than you need it to be. Any other ones that pop into your head? Another thing to remember is, you know, sometimes we forget windows open, um, you oh. know, or the, or the door doesn't close quite all the way. And especially when we're, you know, when we're paying money to heat or cool the house, that's just kind of a, a big, a big waste and a big leak. So, you know, just making sure that when you do turn your air or your heat on, just go through the house, make sure all the windows are closed, make sure those doors are closed. That, I think, can, it, it's an easy thing for us to just, you know, miss sometimes, but it's really worthwhile to make sure that we check that. Those are some great tips for all of us. 
Well, let's get back to what do you do at the Blue Earth Community Farm? So the Blue Earth Community Farm uses volunteers to help grow food that's donated to local nonprofits. So it grows food for the Echo Food Shelf and delivers food to some other local nonprofits as well. So there, you can check out the Facebook page. That's probably the best place to get information. But we're um, we're really looking for volunteers to help build those gardens and maintain those gardens to grow that food for people who could use it. And how do we get involved with that? To volunteer at the farm or to get involved with anything else that the Living Earth Center does, the website is a great resource. Um, and that website is livingearthcentermn.org. You've been a wealth of information. How is it that you're so passionate about all these things? Not only, you know, the saving energy, doing the community farming. What is it that makes you feel the the passion for doing these things? I I got into this work because I was excited about doing things that help the environment. And the more that I do them, the more I realize what is really exciting to me is that the things that are good for the environment are also good for people. That we really don't have to choose between what's good for the environment and what's good for people because usually they fit together really, really well. So there's a lot of things that we can do that that do both, that they're good for the environment and they help us financially, or they're good for the environment and they help our health, or they're good for the environment and they make us happier. And that's what gets me really excited, is that, that there's so much we can do that both helps the world around us and makes our life better at the same time. We've been talking with Brianna Baker. She is with the Minnesota Valley Action Council as a weatherization auditor, as well as very involved in the community with with very great causes and ways to help the environment and help people. Thank you so much, Brianna, for your time. I appreciate it, and all the best to you. Thanks so much, Karen. All right, bye-bye. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.